the concept of change is something that we all have to kind of wrap our heads around and learn how to maneuver. Anyone who runs a business has to have that mindset um, in order to keep things going because things are being thrown at you every day and you have to be willing to adapt and you have to be open and you can't freak out anytime something doesn't work because for the most part things don't work and then every once in a while you'll hit on the thing that does work but you need to go through all that other stuff before you get there it's a scary reality that you're confronted with because you're trying to learn okay i'm changing somehow some way i'm evolving and i need to find out how to deal with this Maybe we're more excited than everyone else is that we almost saw each other and yet almost. you chose you chose not to. You could have came out your, and waved while I was driving uh, by. I didn't realize this until you were in Dennis and then I Google searched how far away is Dennis from where I was <laughs> and I was appalled by what I saw. Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside of you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media at Pod4Creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So you're ready? Do you have coffee? Uh, I had it already. I have water. Okay. Um, so I brought the water. <laughs> I brought the coffee. I brought my Yeti cup. Posted a story about my Yeti cup. We actually need, the, uh, we need to discuss this, I think, actually. What's the poll results results here? from? It's not looking too story. good for you. Yeah. Uh. But what I find most interesting about this is actually, I'll explain it for people who don't follow us on Instagram. Uh, Yesterday, I texted Steve to ask him if he had a Yeti cup or mug. And will we try to save this conversation? We'll add it to our Instagram highlights so you can see the actual back and forth. But basically, Steve was like, what are you talking about? had no idea what a Yeti cup was. I thought it was something that most people knew about. And if you don't know what it is, it's basically well, you know, one of those cups that keeps things really hot or really cold for long periods of time. Like I live in Florida and I can put ice water in my cup and leave it in the car for 24 hours and it'll still be cold the next day, which is crazy. Anyway, the reason I was asking this is because I want to get them made with the podcast for creatives logo on it. So this led to us putting this question out to our audience on Instagram to see who knew what a Yeti mug or cup was. And you know, if Steve was crazy for thinking that I was crazy for asking this. And as of now, the results are that 13 people know what it is. Four people do not know what it is. And of those four people, interestingly, one of them is Steve. I did not vote in this, by the way, which would have skewed the polls a little bit further. But one of them is Steve. One of them is my sister, which I was shocked by. Go ahead. My favorite member of your family, present company included, is your sister. Well, the fact that she's the only other person in the world who doesn't know what this thing is, I'm sure adds to that. Yep. 
And then um, Miss Sadie, uh, Simply Simper on Instagram. And the fourth person does not live in the U.S., my friend um, Carmia. She lives in South Africa. So I'm carrying 100% of the international vote well, is what just, you're saying. I don't think that they have them there. So of the people who have them in their country, only three of you, from our little community anyway, don't know what this thing is. But you will soon because I'm ordering them for both of us and hopefully you'll see them on Instagram. Now, I have a Bubba mug. I'm going to hold it up so you can see it here. This is this is my my work at work uh, mug. Uh, it has a ceramic inside. OK, and I feel like we're doing an infomercial. Kind of, yeah, well, something will go drastically <laughs> wrong, like in most infomercials. Um, it does the same thing. Keeps keeps things, uh, you know, keeps cold drinks cold, keeps warm drinks warm. Is there a difference to you? Like, is you think one is just like you've never had a Bubba? I'm assuming so. I have never. You're had gonna a side with the Yeti. Yeah. Um, but like, you 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 swear by the Yeti. I do, and like you know, I'm not not the type of person who really cares so much about the temperature of my drinks. Like, I will drink lukewarm coffee. I will drink semi warm water. I don't really care, but. I don't know. I, I just I think it's really cool. Like in situations where you're like, there's no way this is still going to be hot or there's no way this is still going to be cold. It is. So and I think just because they're trendy, I like them. And I mean, maybe I shouldn't get you one if you already have your special cup, but it doesn't have our logo on it. No, it doesn't have our logo on it. That's true. Now, are you you don't think I'm trendy? Is that what you were implying? I thought that you were, but. What gave you the idea that I was trendy? Not trendy, but you're pretty like in the know. You know about things. You don't yeah, always participate things. in them, but you're aware of them. Is that That's fair? true. And I, I feel like I'm in that boat too. That's true. Like I know who Cardi I, B is, but I never listen to her. I don't know who Cardi B is and I don't care to find out. <laughs> All right, Steve. Maybe you were like way less hip than I thought that you were. Well, like, well, but think about it. Like when we talk about, you know, interest in certain music, you know, like I feel like my interest stops after like, like 1988. Yeah. Like it just stops. There's a hard stop. Like I used to do trivia with a buddy of mine and we we went for like a couple of years and there used to be a, a, a music round and every trivia evening. Um, and, and we would nail it because my specialty was like 1950 through 19, what did I say? 88. And then he'd pick up like, you know, late eighties, nineties, and then kind of run up till today. Like we would, we would smoke the round every time. Oh, that's Um, a good team. Anything, anything that was in the nineties, anything that was in the the, the, the two thousands, not a clue. I wouldn't, I couldn't tell you half of it, who it is. Ah, you have to come to this trivia night that we have here. I haven't been to it in a while, but it's. Only 50s, 60s, and 70s pop culture trivia, and I kill it. Not only do I kill it, but like people don't expect for me to kill it because it's like a lot of old people playing. Funny how they probably think that you're like, you know, Cardi B. Not tr- right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What does she sing? Oh, she's like one of those kind of rap people. Like Jimmy said yesterday, oh, she's he's a like, he's like, oh, is she like the new Nicki Minaj? I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> Sounds it sounds like it would be in that. She's one of those people who like if you turn on the radio, like she is featured in every song. Oh, okay. One of those. Like, but I don't know if she has her own. And sorry, if there are Cardi B fans out there, 
please feel free to correct everything I'm saying. I really don't know what I'm talking about. Yes, add us all stories about Cardi B because now I'm interested. And I'm sure as soon as I listen, I'm going to regret that decision. But Yeah, don't even go to the list. Don't bother. <laughs> yeah. Stay in your real house. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually a safe bet with me. So. All right, so other than our Yeti debacle from yesterday, um, we both just got back from vacation. And it, it's been, even though we've stuck to our podcasting schedule, Uh, We haven't recorded in almost three weeks because we kind of recorded a little bit ahead of time and now we're we're pushing things a little. So vacation was good. Vacation was good. Uh, I uh, my wife and I went up to Rhode Island um, second summer that we've gone up to Rhode Island outside of uh, uh, well, it was Westerly, uh, Rhode Island, for those who might know it. Great town. Uh, great beaches, great food, great weather, um, good stretch of days, much needed uh, with everything that's gone on, I think, this year in our family. So uh, that was that was very, very nice. Um, you <laughs> decided to uh, change plans literally at the last minute uh, and go from flying to driving up the coast. Yes. Uh, how did that come about? Okay, so here's the story behind that. My sister-in-law had been visiting us for the few days before we were supposed to leave to go up to New York. And she's from New York, so she was just going to fly with us. So probably about an hour before we left for the airport, we all got notices on our phone. Your flight got canceled. We rebooked you. So we're like, all right, we will just we'll get on this rebooked flight, which was only an hour later. Um, so we left like a couple hours later, headed to the airport. And as we're driving, the drive is about 40 minutes from our house. We're looking at all the other flights and seeing like everything's getting canceled. And we're like, what are the chances that this flight is actually going to make it out? So we are like maybe five minutes from the airport, which is north of our house, going towards the northeast where we were headed. And Jimmy said, like, how do you guys feel about just like, what if we just kept driving? Do you feel like driving instead of flying? And Jimmy and his sister both hate flying. So, of course, she voted yes. And I was like, all right, like, as long as you think that we can get there by tomorrow morning and are comfortable driving the whole way up, then I'm down because I had plans the next day with my sister. So he was like, yep. He's like, we'll just go. And we ended up last minute just driving all the way up. And our flight did get canceled, um, which we found out that evening. And yeah, my husband's a rock star. He he drove the entire way himself. He drove all the way through the night. We got there, got to sleep for two hours, and then kept all of our plans. So it ended up working out well. Um, I'm usually not like spontaneous like that, but I think it was uh, it was a good lesson for me that like you can change things on the fly, and it ended up being fun. Now, my favorite part of <laughs> your trip um, was, I mean, we both sort of well, you know, documented our, our trips through Instagram, um, was for a brief moment, you were like, what, 30 minutes away from where I was? I think it was even closer than that. Honestly, like I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I mean, how far off of 95 is Westerly? I should know this because I've been there a bunch of times myself, but it's been a while. Probably not. I don't think it's that far. I think it's, it's probably under, it's probably about 30 minutes, okay. give or take, maybe then, a little maybe a little less than that, but probably 30 minutes. However long it takes from the exit you get off 95 to Westerly, I literally like I drove right by Steve and Rachel and did not stop to say hello. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's how that went. We could have got some good Instagrams. Over a decade of not <laughs> seeing each other, and we were literally in each other's backyards, and we just were like, nah. Nah. <laughs> I said it would have been like an ultimate photo to just like, like it would have been hysterical if we could stage it where it's just like, you know, we were in the same frame in different parts of wherever the setting was. You could and see it was just like two ships passing in the night. Yep, yep. Just, it it yeah. really was almost literally ships passing because the reason I ended up in that spot was I had spent the first few days of my trip uh, in the Hamptons with my husband's family. And then we needed to get from there to Cape Cod to see my parents. So we figured out that the best way to do that was to take a ferry from... Um, like the North Shore of the Hamptons across, and we landed in New London, which is not too far from where you were, Steve. And then we drove toward you and past you to get to get to Cape Cod. But as I told you, I don't know that that would have, after not seeing each other for so long in person, um, the best day for that because I was like pretty drowsy from from taking Dramamine to do the whole ferry uh, excursion. So yeah, I probably would have been a little out of it. Well, we should probably plan this a little bit better if they were ever in the same vicinity with each other next yeah. time. Yeah, and then for the record, we did not go that way on the way back. But you had a good time. Yes. Maybe we're more excited than everyone else is that we almost saw each other, and yet almost. you chose you chose not to. You could have came out your, and waved while I was driving uh, by. I didn't realize this until you were in Dennis, and then I Google searched how far away is Dennis from where I was. <laughs> And I was appalled by what I saw in the search results. You're in Dennis now? <laughs> I saw where you drove. That's literally the text that Steve sent me. He sent me a map with both of our locations and said, like, you realize what you drove past. Yeah. Does Yeti have one T or two? What are you doing over there? I'm, I'm working on a story at the time. But you're yeah, I can tell uh... that you were really not paying attention to what I was saying. Um, Yeti is one T. If you had seen my story, you would know that. On your own account? Yeah. No, no, on no. on our account. Oh, does it have a, uh-oh. Is, does it have something to do with us, like, recording? Does it have our faces in it already? Because I just put one up that does No, too. no, not our faces. Okay. This was before okay. we started. I was just showing off my Yeti. Okay. I, I think what I just posted compliments it very well. So we should probably get into the topic of the conversation yeah. that we wanted to have today, yeah. right? I mean, okay, so what are, we okay. gonna, what are we talking about today? Um, well, I thought it would be kind of cool to have a conversation about change because you and I were talking a couple of days ago about um, you know, being, re- you know, being uh, I guess, reinvigorated coming back from vacation mm-hmm. and ready to kind of dive into, you know, uh, work. But with everything that has kind of gone on this year and, and my issues have been well documented, um, whether it's professionally or personally, that the concept of change is something that we all have to kind of wrap our heads around and learn how to maneuver um, because it seems more frequently these changes are occurring and whether they're within the structure of what we do from um, you know, a technology standpoint um, or whether it's just things that kind of occur in our day-to-day lives, uh, navigating these things can be really difficult. And by no means are you or, you or I experts in um, the process of dealing with change and how it, you can overcome it and become successful. I mean, I think we're all just the best we can, but I thought it'd be cool and we both thought it would be cool to kind of talk about 
you know, some of the realities of dealing with, with, with changes, um, in a personal and professional structure and kind of have some, some discussions about that. Sure. I think that change management is probably one of those things that should be taught in school, but it's not because it's something like as, as humans that we all deal with and it should really be a life skill. I don't think you necessarily, uh, you're, you're not prepared, uh, coming into the workforce to deal with things that are kind of getting thrown at you and you're, you're trying to learn as you're going and you're also dealing with changes. Like, you know, I, I find that interesting. Like our, our, our structure where I work right now is undergoing a lot of changes and will be for the next couple of weeks to a few months, uh, with some personnel changes. And, you know, we have people who have joined our team within the last couple of months and, you know, I wonder sometimes from their standpoint, like when I joined the team, there was pretty much the picture of stability for a while. And I think this is, has a lot to do with the, the time frame that we live in. It's not just, you know, because things are bad where I work. Um, people, you know, are are changing opportunities, doing different things. I think that's what this this millennial age group, not to, you know, make it a, about a demographic, but I think this is what they do. I wonder sometimes what people coming into our company and our team think about because there's a lot to keep track of. There's a lot of things that are changing on the fly and and how does that make them feel? How does that make us look? Is it just the situation and you just have to kind of, you know, learn to deal with it? It's interesting. So you're right. I think that skill set would be kind of cool to at least be able to take a course and uh, to help prepare you. Or at least I think that we should from a young age be taught that like changes are normal. You know, changes are going to happen throughout your entire life in in your work and, you know, in your personal life. And it happens to everyone. I, I really think that there are people who anytime any kind of change happens is surprised by it. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and nobody seems to like it. Yeah. I, I always find this, that the smug people are the ones where you're just like, oh, you got to embrace change and change is good. And you're just like, no, um, no, it's, well, it's very rarely. I was kind of going to be like, that pe- that person. OK, so this is interesting. Let's, because, let's kick things off with this change. Yeah. Is change good is change bad. Well, I do. I, I, I truth be told, like I do like the concept of change. Like I, I don't like as much as about like being you know, somebody who just is a stick in the mud about a lot of stuff. Like I do like the concept of doing new, um, changing focus, you know, getting people to not become complacent in the, in how they think about things. And that's really, that's the industries that we're in, right? That's social media. That's, that's, you know, that's design. Things are constantly evolving and changing. Um, but I think at the start, most people just want to, um, especially if you're working in a non-entrepreneurial field, you want to just kind of, you want to show up, you want to do your job, you want to work hard, you want to put your, your eight hours in a day and you want to go home and you want to live your life. And anything that kind of breaks that up or disrupts that, I think really throws a lot of people off. And at the start, they might not see the big picture of this is actually a good thing. I think you think about it as I have to learn something new, I have to evolve and I'm not necessarily sure I'm ready to do that yet. So I think early on more people are very opposed to it. Hmm. I don't know that I agree with that. I mean, maybe, but I can see it being more of a personality thing or perception thing as to whether or not you like when changes happen or you don't like when changes happen. So you're talking about what, like when you first come into the workforce? I'm talking about at any, really at any point in time. Um, 
I think people are not, I'm not saying it's in general. I just think people are much more hesitant to jump on a change bandwagon. Mm, um, okay. That's fair. Yeah. Then, then they are uh, when, when hindsight kind of, you know, becomes a reality. I think the best example of this is anytime Facebook comes out with something new, everyone is up in arms and everyone's complaining about it. Everyone's saying, you know, why did you change things? It was fine the way it was. And then everyone forgets about it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. anytime any of our social platforms come out with something new or say we're changing this, I get super excited about it because I know that there is thought put behind it. They're not just doing it to mess with people. Sure. But I think it also you're smart enough to know that it's still about creating good, valuable content to your audience. Like everybody freaks out about those things, but the bottom line never really changes. It's really still about creating good content. Yes. Um, so but I think that comes with, you know, if, if you just started out in social media and, you know, you were you were really trying to embrace everything, you might freak out more about it. I think people who have been involved in this industry longer know like, okay, yeah, things are going to change. But in the grand scheme of things, you're still trying to accomplish a goal here and you're still trying to create valuable content for your community. Yeah. If anything, um, I know a lot of people in, in my circles get very upset when these social media changes happen, like the algorithm changes, especially, but as someone who is still has such a far way to go and to grow. I look at those and I'm like, yes, this is kind of like it's shaking things up. It's leveling the playing field. And all of those people who we think are so far ahead of us, they are going to need to deal with all of these changes just like we are. And this gives us an opportunity to get ahead a little bit. Yeah, I think that's true. Like how much do you also feel like it comes down to knowing yourself? Because, you know, if, if I know that you know, I have a tendency to overreact about things or I, I know you? that this is how I'm going. <laughs> Are you talking about yourself here? Careful. Um, <laughs> that, that this is how I this is how I deal with something or this is how I will react to something. I think you can you can learn to anticipate a little bit more. And the self-awareness piece, we talk a lot about self-awareness, but I think that component of dealing with change is so huge because if you know who you are and you know how you react to things, then when things, when you're confronted with a change, whether it's structurally or personally, like, you know, you, I mean, there's going to be things you can't see coming, but you know, for the majority of changes, you might be able to manage your expectations and manage your emotions a little bit more, uh, um, you know, calmly than kind of just flipping out and saying, well, what is this about now? And how am I supposed to handle that? Yeah. I, that is, I feel like that's spot on. And that, that's the way I try to live my life. Um, I always give a caveat to this because I've said this in past episodes, I haven't really had anything awful happen to me before. So I haven't actually had to like walk the talk when it comes to this. But in my mind, I always tell myself like, no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. You're going to get through this. You have people around you. You're smart enough. You will have resources to get through no matter what situation gets thrown at you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I have found that to be really helpful in running a business. I feel like anyone who runs a business has to have that mindset um, in order to keep things going because things are being thrown at you every day and you have to be willing to adapt and you have to be open and you can't freak out anytime 
something doesn't work because for the most part, things don't work. And then every once in a while, you'll hit on the thing that does work, but you need to go through all that other stuff before you get there. And looking for where the holes are, I think, in that process, because if you can anticipate where, I mean, you're not going to get everything, mm -hmm. but if you can anticipate, um, you know, your, your, your year ahead or th just the project that you're working on, if you can anticipate where the holes are, I think you have a better chance of seeing like, okay, this is what I'm planning, but here are the barriers that could kind of exist in here and how will I react if this happens? How will I react if that happens? One of the things that public relations has taught me is just that. Um, you know, you know if you're navigating uh, a, a sticky situation um, and you're trying to guide your, your client through um, these hurdles, it's your responsibility to put a plan together that you think is going to ultimately, you know, land that plane. But, okay, where are the mistakes potentially going to come in and when they do not if because when, yeah. more often than not they do how will I how will I react to that and how will I make sure that it's a seamless approach where it doesn't look like you know you're leaving something um, you know you're leaving yourself open for further criticism uh, or any other kind of issues like that that's that's a big part of uh, I think maybe dealing with changes is kind of being able to anticipate I know that you you do PR in your work, but like in your day to day, you, you don't do PR in the sense that I think that some people may think of it as like you're not um, you're not like cleaning up messes, scandals and that kind of thing. Typically, uh, typically, no. But, you know, there are like I mean, I oversee a staff of, of people who are kind of the boots on the ground um, doing the communications work for for school districts. So. I would say on a semi-regular basis, there's there are crises, um, and and that can range from you know uh, a student or staff death um, to um, y you know some something more salacious, I, I suppose, and how you're going to kind of help um, you know the district kind of navigate that. And and you know I think the easy thing when people think about public relations is is that you know they're you know, they're, they're, they're sleazy kind of people and, 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 you know, they're just trying to, you know, they'll, they'll tell you anything you want is, you know, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily that, you know, we're not spin doctors. I think the work that we try to do is to be open and honest and transparent. That's why our, our school districts that we work with, I think, respect us and continue to work with us. So it's, it's really more about trying to be open and honest with a community, uh, recognize where the mistakes that a district or a person in the district may have made own up to them and, you know, kind of move forward with that. Not every school district wants to go along with that, but you know, it's a, it's, it's a balancing act. So. So before you mentioned that you guys are constantly anticipating that there are going to be problems. So in your work, are you referring to actual incidents that may come up that you guys need to prepare for? Or were you, were you referring more toward your workflow and like, okay, you guys have this plan for this piece that you need to create, but knowing that, uh, these obstacles may come up along the way and like, we got this, if this, if this happens, uh, in my case, it's a little bit of both. So mm -hmm. we, we try to put together communications plans for every goal that we, uh, that we have that we're trying to accomplish. Um, so if a district wants to increase enrollment or if a district wants to 
you know, increase uh, students who are using, uh, you know, uh, transportation sources or whatever. Our job is to put a communications plan together that's going to outline the communication strategies necessary to achieve that goal. It's also our job to kind of look at who's going to be involved doing certain components of it. How is communications going to support that? Where are the potential roadblocks going to come up? And how might we kind of navigate that? And we're constantly doing an evaluation process as we go because you don't just accomplish, you know, for some, for a district that wants to increase its graduation rate, you know, if you have a goal that's like more long term, you don't just increase it one year and then say, well, we're done. We don't have to worry about increasing it next year. You know, I think in in many cases, like in your, in your case, like if you're trying to increase sales revenues or something like that, like, okay, you might hit a benchmark and, and accomplish that. But I don't, I think you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you just said, well, that's enough money. Like I'm done. Like (laughs) it, it, it doesn't go that way. So the evaluation component is, okay, what went well that helped me achieve this goal? If you did, if you didn't achieve the goal, what went wrong? And then how can I kind of learn from that to write another plan for the upcoming year or the upcoming quarter and incorporate those roadblocks or incorporate those things that went wrong into the plan to kind of help have a better chance of, of, of succeeding? It's a cyclical approach to, to communications planning. All right. Two things. One, I feel like I'm finally starting to understand exactly what you do in your job. <laughs> It's only been a couple of years. Yeah, that's it. Um, but two, I am not someone who is the best at looking at data and making and looking and seeing what I did well and what didn't go well and then like making a plan to adapt. But I know that you are much better at, at looking at that kind of data. Do you have any like tactical suggestions that you can share that can be applied to other um, industries or just, it, it can even be a mindset. It doesn't have to be, Oh, you know, create a spreadsheet or whatever. Well, it's, it's not so much with data. I mean, we, we do pull a lot of data from, um, you know, from social media, like I'm sure a lot of people who listen to us, you know, do as well. You're, you're constantly learn le- looking to see what, who your audience is, what's changing, what they're interacting with, what the success rate is, what they're saying about it, because that does help you in your evaluation piece too. Um, you know, anecdotal evidence just as well as, as, as hard data certainly helps to, you know, further, um, you in the evaluation component, further your, in- your, your interest in the evaluation component. But the reality is you're looking for evidence of whether or not you've made an impact on your audience or that your program that you're kind of trying to create had any evidence of success. And I think you should really want to know whether or not the resources that you've spent on this is worthwhile. And and I think that also helps you know if you had a success, but it also helps you know what adjustments you can be making and should be making to the work kind of as you go. So having good, um, measurable objectives, I think is a great start in, in an evaluation component. Um, and in fact, knowing how you're going to measure those objectives should probably be the first part of your evaluation piece. And there are things that you can probably consider, you know, outside of just hard number data. Um, if you have, you know, analytics for your, for your site, uh, click rate, all these other things that we, we, we talk about a lot in, in terms of, um, social data and web data, but you know, you know, ask yourself to find out whether or not what you were doing is effective. So how well did you plan? You know, what, what did you produce in terms of materials? Did it change any behaviors? Did it change attitudes? Did it change opinions? How are you finding this out? Are you looking at, 
um, feedback that you may have received uh, anecdotally? Are you looking at social feedback that you may have seen? Were there any other twists in the road that required you to change course? Learning from some of that, trying to account for that. And again, as we talked about, it's not just a one year thing. You know, usually these goals that are more broad are something that you're looking to kind of build upon for the next quarter or the next year. So taking that information and then in turn using it to kind of um, plan for the next step of this process. This is something that I really feel like I've been saying to people more and more. I have a lot of people just emailing me for advice on how to run a business. And so many of them say, I'm afraid to do it because what if I do it and it doesn't work? And to that, I say, like, you know, it probably will not work the way that you want it to work right away. But that is not how successful businesses are built by just coming up with your grand plan, thinking it's going to work, putting it out there, and it being a success right out of the gate. Even companies that we think are successes, anytime they launch a new product or a new service, that is an experimentation period to see whether or not they're going to even continue to produce that product or offer that service um, and then continually making it better. So I try to tell people like, don't look at it as like a pass fail type thing. Like it's like phase one. And a lot of you, many of you probably have heard of the term beta. I mean, some companies even come out and say, hey, we are testing this in beta mode where they let people participate in either using the product or service, but they say like, hey, we're still testing this out on our end to see if this is even going to work. So I think having the attitude that everything is always a work in progress, that there really is no no finish line, no point where you say like, I've won. I've, like Steve said before, like, oh, I've made this amount of money. Like now I'm good. Like I'm going to stop now. <laughs> that that point really never comes. So I think it's the combination of of looking at the hard data um, and being able to analyze and plan and have objectives coupled with your attitude that you will always be a work in progress is the secret recipe for success. I think the interpersonal part of dealing with change is is so important. Um, so often I feel like when we when we get confronted with change and it's you know, something that can be negative, uh, we, we jump to the emotions of what that change is going to mean versus trying to stick with the facts. Um, and one of the things that I, I try, I don't necessarily always do a good job of it because, you know, I, I feel like I can be salty about a lot of things, but one of the things that I try to do a lot is when we're trying to communicate about a change, you know, maybe we're trying to, Uh, Maybe we're introducing a new staff member in one of our districts and we're taking another staff member out because that person another opportunity somewhere else within our team structure. Well, that's obviously going to leave the client, you know, the client um, kind of vulnerable and upset because they're losing their person. So what we try to do is with the facts of the situation, you know, and, and make sure that they understand. Remember why you signed up for the service? You know, you know, this is, you, you trust us to deliver this. We're not going, that's not going to change. I think it's important to acknowledge the potential emotions that are going to kind of become a reality because of the negative changes, the negative factors within that change, because we're human. I think you have to look like that. You can't be robotic about it, but I think it's also important not just talking to other people like I'm trying to hear in this client example, but also with yourself. You know, it's okay to tell yourself like, 
this is going to suck. But trying to get yourself back to, okay, what are the facts here? What are the things that I have to navigate that I know are going to be coming from this change? I think that helps keep you whole. And I think that gives you a better chance of being successful in the long run. Very smart advice. Thank you. (laughs) Now, we've talked a lot about how to deal with changes in work and in our workflow and, um, you know, anticipating that these things that we know are likely to come up and kind of having the right attitude. But let's talk about our personal lives. Steve, you've had so much stuff happen to you in the last year. Um, what let's try to like come up with some solutions or at least just talk a little bit more about how when things happen to us in our personal life, how do we integrate that with what we have to do in our work? And how do we keep going when these really sucky things happen to us? Yeah, the short answer is I'm not sure I know yet. Um, And I think that's okay. And I think that's something that you have to tell yourself is you're not supposed to know how to handle. I mean, we're sitting here trying to give like things that we think are good pieces of advice. And I started out by saying we're not experts, but never <laughs> the, the react. Yeah. And nobody is. Please don't. You know, if somebody tells you this is what it needs to be because they, they build themselves as, as an expert, they're yeah. not. The only the only thing that I will say for certain is that, you know, the right answer for you. And that's right. it. And I think. And I think that's all we're trying to do is talk about things that have worked well for us. And, you know, this is why we opened up conversations through social media because we want to hear from you. Uh, there are things that you guys probably do that we're just like, wow, that's brilliant. And we look forward to, you know, when this episode is live and it's up and running, there'll be some story prompts on Instagram and things like that where we want to hear from you. So look for those and please jump in. Um, but back to your question, I don't know. And I'm okay with that. Um, there are days where, I'm okay and I'm able to put aside, you know, the death of my mom and I'm able to put aside, you know, the loss of my house and, um, you know, trying to, to work through a lot of that. And then there are days where, um, it's more apparent because either you're dealing with something as a reality from that situation and it's taking you away from your work. Um, or there's an emotional side. Um, you know, when I was out in California a couple of weeks ago, first full day of the conference, I had what I would, what I would call for me kind of an emotional breakdown. And, um, you know, I think it was because it was the first time that I was away from our our home situation. I was away from my wife for the first time with everything that's been going on. Um, and that, that sense of normal, or what has become your reality has had gone away for a couple of days. So you and had another you're change. Thinking, yeah. yeah. And, well, right. Just and changing thinking, locations and time zones and environment is like a change on top of a change. Yeah. And leading up to it, I'm thinking to myself like, well, this is going to probably be a good thing. It's a couple of days away. I'm at a conference. I'm going to get to present like I'm around people who, um, you know, I, 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 I enjoy being around like, this, this will be a good distraction for a couple of days. And it was just the, the total opposite. And, um, I just remember like sitting in uh, a session there and just being like, I'm about to do uh, a presentation tomorrow. Uh, there's a lot riding on it. I'm excited. The room's going to be packed and I don't care. I just don't care. And that's not me. And if you guys have been listening all these, you know, this, this, this past year, like, 
you know, that's not me, Michelle, you know, that's not me. And, and it took a lot to like rally myself to, to get to like, okay, remember why I did this. Remember why I want to be here. Remember why I feel like this topic is important. And, you know, eventually I can kind of talk myself into something, but a lot of times because you've been hit with so many personal things, the things that you used over the years to kind of self-medicate, I'm, I'm a big believer in just kind of listening to music and, and tuning out, you know, I'll throw my, my, my headphones on and just kind of, you know, get lost for a couple hours. And Mm -hmm. that typically helps things like that have not been working, um, recently. And it's a scary reality that you're confronted with because you're trying to learn, okay, I'm changing somehow, some way I'm evolving and I need to find out how to deal with this. And the reality is, as I, like I told you at the top, I, I don't know. Um, I do the best job I can every day to, um, try to push through and, deal with my emotions when they come. Um, but I, you know, I'm reminded of, you know, we always are quick to say like other people have it worse. Um, and that's, that helps sometimes to just put things in perspective. Um, the first day we ended up in the hotel when after the, you know, that literally that night when we went to the hotel for the first time, uh, after our house flooded, we, uh, a couple of days before there was a story on the news about a family who, uh, had a house fire and, um, uh, uh one or two children, uh, were, were, were unfortunately killed in the fire. Oh, that's terrible. And when we were checking into the hotel, uh, Rachel, and my wife looked to the right for a second and we saw the mother who we've seen on TV. Oh, she was at the hotel you're staying at the hotel. And for the yeah, a brief moment, a check, right? Yeah. Right. For a brief moment, it was like, okay, this is going to be okay. Um, you know, so it's, it's putting things in perspective, but it's also trying to learn about yourself and navigate these things. And, um, that's a good thing because you're staying in touch with who you are, um, and who you're becoming and who you're evolving into. Um, so I've tried to adopt the mindset that, you know, change is a good thing, even though it it can really kind of knock you off course. Um, but it certainly, um, helps you grow and you get to learn more about yourself that you didn't know before that. So let's do a little post-op on this California experience in hindsight now, like, would you still have gone? Would you have done something differently or like, kind of like, what are your thoughts on that now? Like you told us about how you were feeling when you were there and you said like, I'm just gonna like you kind of push yourself through it. And I know that you did have some fun times when you were there. It wasn't just all miserable, but um, looking back on it is that if you could do it over again, would you do something differently or would you prepare yourself in a different way? Well, those guys in our audience who know that like when you're planning up, when, when you're when you're leading up to the launch of a product or you're leading up to the debut of something, Michelle, you know this better than anyone, like there's a lot of work that goes in in the last couple of days and, and weeks to kind of get ready for that. And I was honestly, I mean, we flew out on a Sunday. I was working on things to like that Friday, mm-hmm. uh, the Friday before. So I think I probably would have done a better job, although I thought about doing this and I had it penciled in, but life, life happens and things happen at work and you got to adjust. And I probably would be a little bit more proactive in the planning of finishing up the presentation, you know, with a week or so to go. So you can kind of get your mind right. I probably would have done a better job talking to myself about like, okay, what are the possible realities of, 
you know, what's going to happen, you know, being away for the first time and, and kind of navigating this and dealing with this. You know, I don't know how practical that is. I'm sure there are people listening saying like, you know, how can you possibly do that? You can't see everything. And you're right. It probably mm-hmm. isn't. But I also knew when I was like working on the presentation in the last couple of days, I felt rushed and I felt like, you know, you were really concerned. I talked to you offline yeah. a dozen times probably about like, how does this sound? Does this sound stupid? Am I making myself, you know, am I making a clear point here? Um, you worry about those things. You stress over those things. Um, and I probably wasn't thinking more holistically than I should have. So I think that sort of helped that, that would have helped me out a little bit more than just, you know, working to the last minute, getting on a plane, flying 3000 miles across the country and then going like, Oh yeah, like this is the first time I'm actually away from my reality in a period of months. And the reality was not a good reality. I mean, we were lucky to be fine and my family's been doing okay after my mom passed, but still what your reality is. So, yeah, I think that we as creatives have, um, this superpower slash super curse of telling ourselves stories and, and painting things that might be more elaborate than they actually are. And from what you're telling me, I think a lot of that is also pressure that we put on ourselves and things that are going on in our heads. I mean, I know that there are a lot of people listening to this who were there, who you were either there in person who saw you present or like me who got like a sneak peek of it and know what an amazing job you did. I mean, it was in my eyes, it was flawless. And I'm sure that the act, the live presentation was even better. But, you know, these people may be surprised to hear that you're feeling like you could have done a better job or you could have prepared more. And I think that we need to sometimes be reminded that what we think about ourselves or what's going on in our minds is not what other people are seeing on the other ends. And we need to like, think about how we're being perceived. And for some people that might make things worse to be like, Oh no, people are, people are looking at me and they're judging. But for the most part, everyone is really focused on themselves. I mean, we can't help it. We are in our own heads. But when I think about that, it's almost comforting because I think, you know, if, if I make a mistake, which I'm a human, so that happens all the time, I'm going to care about it much more than anyone else. Yeah, without a doubt. I think we're hardest on ourselves. And, you know, I have I have, um, you know, people in my life who have heard me me present. And I'm sure in our case, you know, you, you have people around you who have seen your your business model and you've talked them through and you're probably focusing in on like nooks and crannies, just like I'm focusing in on like, is this going to come out right the way I want to say it? Am I going to run over the line too quickly? And they'll listen to it from an outside perspective or they'll look at your business model from an outside perspective and say, it's going to be fine. Like no one's going to catch that, you know, that, that thing, or they're not going to be focused enough in on that. Only you're focused in on that. And I think that's a really hard thing to, this is a whole nother topic is like treading the line between we want things to be high quality. We want things to be the best that they can be. Details matter, But but is it is it to the point where we where we drive ourselves nuts where it doesn't actually even matter or make an impact? Right. And is it, you know, like is it a different topic than what we're talking about because like Maybe not. that's a person that's a personal change that you're you need to make or that you need to actually look to yourself to figure out because that's something I struggle with tremendously is moving past like nuanced details that daily struggle, right? Yeah. But like, how do you overcome something like that when it's yours? Like, you know, I, I am not, 
I am not good with that. And, and you're right. Maybe it is another topic because, uh, you know, we, or we can do kind of a part two to this, but I think that's a personal change. Like we're talking about outside changes that affect what you do, but very, in many ways, like it's also like trying to change yourself to become a better professional or a better human being or, or a better whatever. Yeah. I don't have this figured out yet. I don't know that I could offer so much advice because I feel like it's, it's a daily struggle between being a perfectionist, wanting everything to be perfect, wanting to have a really high production value on everything that I touch and knowing that like my reputation's behind it. And I know that there's a lot of ego wrapped up in that, but then also saying you need to ship it before it's ready you need to leap before a net appears. I mean, there, this is like, it's like the devil and the angel in my mind. With every step mm. that I do in my creative work, it's those two sides talking. Did you ever deal well with change as a kid, like growing up in school or? No. N- yes, no? Not, no, no, not at okay. all. I, I, I will say for 95% of my life, I was a person who hated change. I like when things are comfortable, I like when I have everything figured out and I know where everything is and I know who everyone is. It, it wasn't until recently, I would say maybe in the last two years that I have been a person who says that I like change and I actually get excited about it because I think the old me didn't think that I could handle change. I mean, the old me wouldn't wouldn't know to say that, but now I can say I am a person who can thrive as a result of change happening. And then it's, it's nothing to be scared of. In fact, it's something to be really excited about because I've seen, um, in changes that have happened in my life, you know, some of them have been by choice. Some of them have not been by choice. I've talked about the fact that I lost my job. Um, I mean, granted that was 10 years ago, but I mean, in my life, that was probably the most, major change that I have had happen to me that has been out of my control. And I have seen the domino effect that that has had that has only led to amazing things. So that's my basis. I know I can't say, um, you know, Steve, if I were in your boat, if I had had a close family member pass away, like that is the one thing, like I'm someone who tends to look at things positively, can always find the good in things. But that is the one thing that I don't believe that there really is a positive spin to. You can't, any any type of either loss in your life of a person that you're close with or having to see someone in your life that you're close with suffer through something, I'm, I have yet to find a positive spin on that. I think that you need to just kind of say what you said, Steve, like there is there is no answer to that. There is no solution. So you should not be trying to look for one. Instead, you should just be looking to um, to be there for the people that you're close with, to comfort each other and to, I guess, make the best of it, knowing that the best is not going to be great. I think most people are, you know, hesitant to be selfish and to, to you know, self-care for, for themselves, um, not to be redundant. Um, I think that's a really hard thing for people to learn, especially when you're going through any kind of, of change, because I can remember being at my mom's services and, and, you know, being worried about like, you know, is my sister okay? Is my dad okay? Um, you know, you're, 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 
saying hello and, and hugging, you know, hundreds and hundreds, you know, maybe not that many people, but hundreds of people in the grand scheme of things. And you kind of get away from it for the first time after a couple of days when everything, you know, is, is dying down and, and everybody goes back home and you're just like, I don't even think I've actually taken the time to like look out for myself and, and, you know, do something for me. And I'm not talking about like going for a massage. Like yeah. I'm talking about honestly, like working on your mental health and your mental capacity. Like, you know, in many ways, these conversation, this conversation that we're having today is trying to say like, well, when you get confronted with a change, you know, just think about them before they could happen and then try to anticipate. And, and, you know, that, that's I mean, also, that's it, not yes, a way to live. I mean, if, if all of us every right. day woke up and said, like, okay, what happens if my mom dies? What happens if my sister dies? What happens if I get in an accident? What happens if my car floods? Like we will drive ourselves nuts if we think that way. Right. And because you know what, the funny thing is, is that if we forget to send an email, okay, I'll send it tomorrow. Like, yeah. you know, it, it's not, it, it, we're okay with that. Now I understand that it's a completely different thing than losing, losing a, a human being in your life. But uh, you know, it's also not possible to think about everything like that. I think you do the best job you can when you're planning to be as proactive as you can be to, con, you know, to, to see some of these things potentially coming down the road. But I think when you're, when you're dealt with something a little bit more serious than that, yeah, you know, you're going to naturally want to be there for the people around you and support them. But you know, the mental health part of everything, I think, is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard something a couple of years ago from uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a workshop that I went to that was t- targeting on mental health. And, um, you know, it, it was trying to put into comparison, like when you think about, you know, dental health, like where do you think about? And, you know, everybody was just like, you know, shouting out answers like healthy teeth and flossing and, you know, good breath and all this other stuff, like all of these things that like symbolize that. And when they think like, when you think like, you know, physical health, like, you know, good physical health, you know, what do you think about being physical? You know, it's just like, you know, strong running and all these things that kind of like promote that. And then they say like, what do you think about when you think of mental health? And everybody was just like depression, sadness, you know, like things that don't necessarily like look at your mental health in a positive capacity as you would for dental or just physical health. And it opened my eyes to just like, you know, remembering that that part is so important. And especially when you're dealt with something that knocks you off your feet, being a little bit selfish and looking out for you, whether it's something that knocked your business model off course and, and, you know, you didn't see it coming, you know, yeah, putting your nose to the grindstone and, and trying to get, things back online. There's a time and place for that. But what happened to you and what happened to the situation can also take a lot out of you. And you need to be smart enough to look for some of that. So maybe answering your question from a little while ago about how do you deal with something like that? Look out for you. I mean, obviously be there for the people around you, but you need to look out for yourself too. Yeah. And when you're talking about being there for the people around you, it's also taking the help and the hugs and the talks from from the people around you too I think it it goes both ways um but yeah I I feel like with all of this to say or this is at least (laughs) what I'm working on in myself as as a result of coming out of this conversation is we can't think about and agonize over every little thing that can go wrong but we can internally say no matter what happens, either I can deal with this or it won't be okay and that's still okay. 
<laughs> I know right. that might sound really weird, but like in these instances when these really bad things happen that we can't even ever anticipate, like I think I said this to you, Steve, when you told me that your house flooded, I'm like, I've worried about a lot of things in my life, even like from a kid, like, you know, that your house is going to burn down or someone's going to rob you. But like the flooding thing is never anything that was on my radar. And now I'm like, oh, no, now this is like a new thing that I have to worry about. But now you're turning your water off every night before yeah. you go to bed and just <laughs> saying to Jimmy, we can't take any chances. No, no. Yeah. Just, just shut the water off just to be safe. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I think knowing, you know, if the worst happens that you have people around you that are going to love you and that are going to support you. And, you know, the truth of it is we can't, we can't control what's going on around us, but we can control ourselves. I mean, we, we really are the only things that we can control. And even that can't be, we like to think that we can like control our emotions. I think that when some, when people think, oh, I can control my emotions, it means like, don't get angry, don't get sad. That's not what it means. It's more about being in check with your emotions and saying, all right, you know what? I just, I need to be sad right now. I need to cry. I need to be depressed because this is how I'm going to process and be able to like get on with my life. I don't know. I, uh, I, I feel funny even like talking about stuff like this because I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm telling people how to deal with their emotions when it's, it's such a personal thing. It, it really well, is. You never, but you never know who's listening to something and what impact, you know, that's going to make on somebody. Like I had conversations with people when I was out in California about my mindset. Cause I think, you know, they know something wasn't right. And, um, they were so valuable to me. Um, just kind of being able to talk something through or, or, you know, listen to other people who have gone through certain similar things, um, and leaning on them to, um, you know, help guide me through a, a really difficult time. And, um, you know, so who knows, you know, if this, if this, if somebody was going through a bad day when they listened to this and maybe this inspired them to plan a little bit more structured or, um, self care a little bit more in light of whatever happened that day, then, Hey, that's great. And I feel like what you just said was so important. And like, I think a lot of us think that we need to battle these things on our own and just like we forget that change is normal. We forget that every single one of us goes through stuff, whether it's big or small, every day. So anytime you are going through something that you feel like is particularly hard, lean on those people, seek those people out because they will they are always there whether or not you recognize it. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod creatives on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and let us know what stood out to you the most. Looking forward to hearing from you. Well, all right. This was good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll annoy you later. So always have a good rest of your year. Well, you signed up. <laughs> you said you always wanted a brother. Now you have one. I don't think I ever said that. Pretty sure that's what you said. Pretty sure that's what I heard. <laughs>